0: welcome back to cricket central the podcast where we discuss all the stories big and small i'm here with ethan crabs for a day one recap of the second test between australia and south africa the boxing day test it's always a special day um, and today even more so uh, with a very nice tribute for the late shane warren before the match uh, Sixty-five thousand strong crowds um fantastic occasion and the stories going into the match we had David Warner out of form but playing in his 100th match would he be able to uh, perform uh, and get back to what we know of him of old Uh, then you know we we had the discussions about South Africa uh, whether they would be able to be able to do anything but really the man who uh, took MCG by storm was the $3.15 million man, Cam Green, picking up his maiden five for, for the test um, and uh getting five for 27 in the end and getting Australia into a perfect position in this match. South Africa all out for 189. Familiar stories for them uh, with a couple partnerships, but uh in the end, uh just losing too many wickets in clumps, really. Um, and then Australia, a one down uh for 45. Um, at the end of the day, with Dana, David Warner taking a, an aggressive approach to stay in, and so far it's paying off. Uh, Ethan, um, the people who went to to the first day, they got their money's worth. Uh, very entertaining day. How did you see it?
1: Yeah, a very interesting boxing day, and the controversy really started before the game even began with the the toss decision to bowl, despite a marked difference in the pitch between this test and the test before and I think that caught pretty much everyone by surprise and it set a lot of expectations on the Australians in that first session and South Africa came out fairly solidly early on but it was just that period just before lunch where they lost three for two and then you sort of sense that it was going to be Australia's day but certainly a little bit of everything a bit of South, South African dominance in the middle there and a bit of Fresh, a fresh faith on the Australian bowling scorecard with five wickets to Cam Green.
0: Yeah, that's right. We'll get on to South Africa's performance um, in a little bit, but it's only fitting that we do start off talking about Cram Green. We've uh, been, we were one of. I would like to think of us as one of the. Earlier, um, earlier supporters of him uh, you in particular Ethan and uh, well it's been it's been a, a tough summer uh, if I'm being honest for Cam Green supporters uh, with him getting hit all over the park hardly getting a bat and when he does get the bat um, yeah being quite atrocious really but today was his day the MCG Day one, there's always some story, uh, I feel. Last year, it was obviously Scott Bolland, although that was more day three. Um, but, uh, and you know, at this time, sorry, day two, actually, I think. But uh, this time, uh, there was talk again about Bolland. Would he be in the team or not? The All the Melbourne press was, you know, petitioning for him to be in. He did get in. Uh, picked up one wicket early on. But, uh, as I said, at, at the top, it was Cam Green's day. Um, and he sort of took back that role as a breakthrough man that we saw a little bit last summer, Ethan.
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting summer for him, as you mentioned. I think most notably he hasn't really played a big role with the ball, not so much in terms of lack of wickets, but he hasn't really bowled much overs either. Um, and it's a mark marked a difference today with his 10.4 overs. I think that's more than he would have bowled the entire summer so far. And it can be very hard to bat in that number six position when the top five are dominating. Um, and then you've sort of got to come out in the wicket when you're already 4 for 500 and, and trying to really um, put the foot down. But I thought it was, it was... He almost gained a lot of confidence as the spell went on. The first sort of three or four balls were a bit all over the place. I think he went for nine runs off his first three, and there were a mixture of two short, two wide... Um, or sometimes even too full. But the, the more he bowled, the more settled he seemed. And I think it was lucky to get, or well, it was good to get that early wicket in that would have certainly built his confidence, um, particularly after this IPL de- deal. And one of the best things about this fire I think, is that he stepped up to really fill the hole that was in Australia's attack. I think Cummins, Boland in line bowled well, but lacked a bit of potency. And after Stark got injured, I think we were still wondering where... The remaining four or five wickets were going to come from. So it was great that he grabbed that opportunity and a great celebration at the end of the FIFA as well.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good point you make about uh, when Mitch Stark went off um, in particular, someone I was watching with said, oh, this could be the turning point in, in the match. Uh, Stark's off now, perhaps South Africa uh, could get on top because obviously we had that partnership during that time uh, with Verena and Jansen they had both brought up their fifties at T they were five for 144 uh looking in a pretty good position but it was that spell of Cam Green after T uh that really did uh put Australia back on top of it and um it's, it's good to see yeah uh, does this uh well you know we'll, we'll switch a, a little bit to, to IPL discussion here does this justify that the price tag on him a little bit
1: <laughs> look uh I, I don't really understand how the IPL bidding war particularly has placed this immense value on all-rounders. I'm, I'm going to say no, but hope that he pleasantly surprises us with the bat. I, I quite honestly think that basically that one innings he had against India in that T20 where he hit about 80 or 50 and the fact that he's got a reputation as an all-rounder despite not really performing with bat or ball particularly in, <laughs> in test cricket um has just got the the clubs just hooked on perhaps expectation of potential but I mean we'll take five wickets would would you pay 3.15 million for it I mean maybe not but this is the most economical his bowl pretty much this summer so the hope is for Mumbai Indians that that can translate into some more extended spells in the second innings and Beyond
0: Yeah, I think so. And from an Australian perspective, it was just the the faint murmurings of criticism of his place in the team. Um, And, you know, I think if he can consistently have these bowling performances, it makes his place a lot more assured and gives him more time to get his batting in order that we uh, do hope will eventually happen. Uh, But the the other big story um, that we we do obviously have to discuss is just South Africa's batting um almost uh, i felt like i was watching apart from the different color of the pitch i felt like i was i was watching a replay of the brisbane test at, at times there they got off you know elgar and um Irvi at the start they 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 you know gridded it out um elgar 26 off 68 he ended up making um but then bolland uh, got the breakthrough of airway one he didn't really have to play at he was trying to trying to drive it forcefully through the covers Uh, Then just before lunch, there was Manus Labashain with a a bit of magic um, to run out, Dean Elgar. uh, De Bruyne came in after lunch and looked okay for a little bit, but then a horrendous shot uh, trying to to pull a a bouncer, basically. Um, And he was out by green. Um, And then from from two for 56, they soon found themselves at, at five for 67, uh another collapse there the middle water gone then it was left to Verena and Yantzen again to try and uh, resurrect their innings which they did for a little bit not hugely convincing um but uh with 250s by them uh as we mentioned before they got to uh six for 179 um and then when Yantzen went out 82, but then Another collapse uh, to end up for um, 10 for 189. So I think they lost five wickets for 10 runs in the end. So small partnerships, but uh, collapses to go around it, Ethan.
1: Yeah, that's, I guess, one of the main issues with this South African side. I mean, they've struggled to hit 200 of, of late. And the fact is that the bulk of their team averages sub 40. I think I think everyone does, in fact. And if you've got a lot of people stringing 20s and 30s together, then it's very hard to get any partnerships around that 100 mark. I think Verena and and Janssen were very good today. I think they contrasted their batting styles well, which which is always hard to bowl to when you've got someone like a Verena looking to get lots of singles and someone like a Janssen being more aggressive and scoring predominantly in boundaries, yet they're both striking at a similar rate. I thought their partnership... they, they complemented each other well, but there's still lots of questions to be asked in, in that middle order. And it was a bit of a, a nothing day for a, pretty much their top five. I thought Evie's got good shots, but he looked n- nervous on what should have been a, a quite a nice pitch to bat on. And the fact that out of their top five, no one's passed 30, and yet Verena and Janssen were able to bat so freely on it, I think is is going to be a large cause for concern. There was a good um good call on commentary actually. And that that partnership between Verena and Janssen would have worried Cummins because it brought South Africa back into the game, but also would have worried Elgar a little bit because it showed that batting on this wicket can actually be done relatively easily. So I think it's it's a mixture of issues with talent and application for the South African batting side, but you know, players like Bavuma, who are experienced enough, you know, these sort of players should be able to really dig in and apply themselves. Um, and a notable lack of foot movement today as well is something that maybe the coaches will look at.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right there. You know, you can, you can speak about the talent and it's obvious that they're, you know, going through rebuilding, I guess you would say, in some sports, so, although they've been doing it for a while now, but... You no, that still doesn't really defend some of the shot selection um, that they that they uh, had there. Obviously, there's the DeBrain one was the real stark example, but Irvy as well. And there, something brought up on commentary, not sure if you sort of noticed this as well, but um, they sort of all have a habit, all the um, South African batsmen, of when they're playing the defensive shots, um, staying sort of inside the line of the ball, uh, rather than, obviously, we see Steve Smith and, and Labashane really getting behind it Um, you know, so they can sort of see whether to leave it or or play it enough. And perhaps that's a a reason for uh, the, the amount of edges we've seen. Do you think there's anything to that?
1: Yeah, I find it surprising given that probably you'd expect conditions in South Africa to almost seem and swing more than in Australia, given that lots of their pitches are actually quite low scoring also. So I would have thought it's it's a, a batting lineup that should be more well adept to the moving ball and and to bounce as well. But you're right. We have seen a marked lack of foot movement and players often staying leg side, playing with their hands away from their body. And certainly there's there's not a whole lot of these batsmen who I'd say I'm very confident in one of their strokes. Um, I think with Elgar, he, he started off very, very strong on the pads and, at least there, you can see that that looks a solid shot for him. But a lot of their middle order, I don't have a lot of confidence in their ability to to drive the ball. And I think it it does stem from the fact that they often do stem legs leg side of it, um, and the positioning on on impact against some quicker balls, which are slightly out, outside off stump with a bit of movement, has has really found, they've found it challenging.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely something. The needs to be fixed pretty quickly now uh one positive for them they did actually pass their average total um uh, for 2022 of 140 today made 189 so uh some something to to take away from it but i think that just adds to our point about their struggles uh but from the australian perspective with the bowling we've already spoken about cam green but um also uh some of Cap- Cummins's uh, captaincy decisions today were interesting as well. Very proactive um, was the word uh, a lot of people use. The 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 most obvious move was uh, um, after Green got the wicket of um, Debray early on, immediately taking him off and uh, putting on himself to bowl. Uh, but all throughout the day it was sort of a similar thing. So they brought in a uh, short tactics um, against certain players um, and just often seemed uh, a step ahead. Uh, and really, we're becoming a, a team that always seems to be able to to get the breakthrough eventually. Uh, even even that partnership with Verena and Jansen, you sort of felt it's only a matter of time with, with some of the shots The Janssen seems to be pretty unable to play the short ball at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, is, are there any negatives that we can speak of for the bowling or a pretty complete performance? So...
1: Yeah, I think the bowls, we pretty happy after today. And yeah, I think it's a, a good point that you mentioned, even though that partnership was 112 runs, you, you did feel that Australia at least had some good plans on how they were going to get each of those batsmen out. And there was a couple of catches that went down as well. Kawaja dropped a quite a simple one. So uh, I think that is there there is credit due to Cummins' captaincy there because they've they've clearly got plans. I thought they used the short ball well. Um and, yeah, I think the, with the ideas that they have, it, it's heading in the right direction in terms of the intelligence behind this bowling attack as well.
0: Yes, very good. Uh, well, the story for tomorrow, uh, well, and for the, the last little bit of um, tonight uh, is David Warner, obviously, um, trying to make runs in his 100th test, and he got off to a pretty good start, um, albeit with quite a lot of support from the South African bowlers, if we're being honest. That first over by Kagiso Rabada, I mean, that was that was uh, fourth quality. Uh, just I think there were four balls down the leg side. He uh, just couldn't get it right at all. And it's it sort of, they on the commentary, they were building it up a lot, you know, this battle between Rabada and Warner. And it sort of, uh, you know, put a pin in it uh, immediately in that first over. It was a bit disappointing, Ethan.
1: Yeah, it's almost... What I associate with Jofra Archer and that on his day is absolutely capable of decimating attacks, and then on a different day it just seems benign and and wayward. I think coming off that first ball of last test, which was aggressive at the body with a bat pad into Warner, and he was really caught off guard and rushed by it. And this was one of the softest and probably one of the worst opening overs that you can manage. And I think all we can say is that we're glad it, it wasn't a, a white ball game otherwise that over might have gone for 20 or so balls I think <laughs> some some of the best bowlers in on the best swing bowls particularly in, in world cricket are really able to make an impact with the first couple of overs particularly the Shaheen Rafridis or the bolts um and and this was a, a a massive letdown from Rabada. and really they've gifted Warner 32 or so runs uh, eventually there was he was able to pull it back for a couple of balls against Kawaija, but I would say that's one of the more underwhelming opening spells you'll see. And South Africa will feel that they definitely missed a trick in that 12-over period before stumps.
0: Yeah, I mean he's a strange bowler, Rabada, because you look at his uh, figures, even just uh, from from today, one for 24, bit expensive, but you know he got he got the wicket, and it was a, a pretty good bowl to get Kawaja, But so many of his other balls are just completely wasted really um and then from the other end in um, uh, I watched him a bit in uh, over in England and I was quite impressed with how he was bowling but in, in both tests he just really hasn't troubled the batsman at, at all and I'm beginning to wonder why um Nokia isn't opening the bowling for them really because whenever he comes on uh it just so much you feel like something's going to happen uh do you think that should be a move that they should look at
1: Yeah, I think it, it definitely has some potential to it. It would be a very interesting prospect with you Nauke know, with a harder ball. I mean, it, it would come off the bat more, but he he does classically yeah. go for quite an expensive economy. But he, he takes wickets and he makes things happen. And more often than not, he starts on the money with pretty good pace. And I think you're right. The commentators are calling for it as well. When If you can sense that Rabada's not quite on it, I'd want to get him on earlier rather than later. And the 12 if you've got 12 overs before dumps, I'd want him bowling at least three of them. And he only managed they only managed one out of him today. So I do think they missed a trick with him today. I think he's going to be a high strike rate bowler in terms of wickets. So I'd want him pretty much getting as, as much as he can in a short burst. And then some of these other bowlers were more swing-based, line and length, even though players like Rabada do have excellent strike rates in test cricket, they probably they might need a little bit more time to work themselves into spells, particularly if they're struggling early on.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, he only he was the fourth bowler to bowl um, this afternoon and ended up only bowling one over in, you know, normally the most difficult conditions uh, to bat him late in the day. So I think that's just absolutely the wrong move, especially when you've only made 189 runs. So Anyway, uh, we'll see. It. Just on David Warner, um, he, he said before the match that he thought he had been a bit too uh, timid towards the bowlers, um, which, to be honest, isn't what I saw, especially in the Adelaide match, where you have the opposite of that. But anyway, that's what he said. And today he uh, really, um, well, aggression uh, was the name of the game for how he was going about it. He looked like Warner from you know the very first years of his career with, with some of those shots. But so far, it, it's worked pretty well, 32 or 51 he is. Um, How
1: did you see him uh, today? Yeah, a a solid start for David Warner. I think we've mentioned that the bowling really cushioned him into that innings, but um, I I think a bit of intent, particularly against the back of a length or shorter bowling is is the way to go, particularly with that dismissal last test. I think that that shorter ball you shouldn't be fending at, especially with a bat pad in, but Pretty much the exact same ball today he managed to pull i think for his first boundary so i think he, he has come out with a bit of a mindset change um and it'll be interesting to see if that gets tested by someone like youngson who, who typically hits quite a full or, or good length and doesn't give you that much width or, or shorter bowling but certainly with what South Africa offered today devon one was right on the money thought he looked very very solid um and i'm impressed with the intent as well i think You're right, in Adelaide particularly, I think it was against Searles when he hit those probably three or four boundaries. You definitely saw the intent there and he got out slashing outside off. So I hope he he doesn't become too reckless with this, but in terms of getting yourself into the game by taking on short balls against a fast South African attack, that's something I can get behind, um, especially since he plays it well. So certainly shots that don't require a great deal of foot movement and off the back foot. I certainly think he's a strong player. It'll be good to see if if South can stay a bit shorter term. I think he'll be able to cash in tomorrow.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he did look a little bit more balanced today, I think. Uh, well, maybe I'm just trying to hope that that was the case because uh, I, I do want him to score some runs. But uh, no, I think I think he did. Uh, we must mention Kawaja as well. Um, another failure today, only one. Um, I mean, it's a bit harsh after the year he's had, but, uh, you know, failed last test also. Um, and there is, there's always been this rap with Kalaja Um, a, another member of the podcast uh, with the last name Lynch uh, has been uh, rabbiting on about this for years, but uh, he has often struggled against the moving ball uh, and sort of top quality pace bowling. Uh, do you think, it's still fair to say that, and is that a concern going to uh, England um, in July?
1: I, I think this is one of those painful times in life where you have to admit that Pearson might be right. Oh, um, no. I think it, I, I think he gets caught. He gets caught on the crease quite a lot, and and it seems a, a similar mode of dismissal with the ball decking across and him squaring himself up and nicking to the slips. So. I think there is a sort of technical issue that that needs to be addressed there and and certainly against this quality South African attack and even against the West Indian attack to an extent. He's really struggled a little bit, particularly early on, relative to what we saw last summer. So, I mean, it is a shame given the start to the year that he had that this is almost souring the calendar year for him. But I, I do think, when the ball is moving against players like Anderson who've got such control over their position and movement that he might, in fact, struggle. And he he plays quite well through the covers, but I I don't classically associate Kawaja with playing particularly well straight down the ground. So it'll be interesting to see if teams do go for a a more tight line term with that over-the-wicket approach um, and really try and nick him off to the keeper of slips.
0: Yeah, and uh, just while we're on the day, I also have to give some credit to David Warner for some great gamesmanship in the last over of the match, pretending he wasn't ready, uh, and uh, making sure that uh, there was not going to be an over to be bowled. Uh thought that was a little cheeky there, but it's good to see that, the man who ensured that we always had a good reverse seeming ball for many years and uh played the role of a tack dog on the field. It's good he's still got some of his guiles, uh, even uh at his late age and his 100th test. So I was happy to see that. Anyway, uh what predictions for tomorrow? What do we think's um gonna happen? Uh, obviously got fantastic bowling lineup. We know that. Can they can they uh make it challenging uh for the Australians and Warner in particular? And can Warner um get the century that uh will silence his, his doubters.
1: Yeah, well I think this pitch is a lot more batter friendly than what we've seen before. I think it, it swung half as much or seemed half as much. So I I would really hope that one of these Australian batsmen can go on and make a hundred. Hopefully it's it's David Warner. Um, and minus has got work to do to chip in as well. I think a good day for Australia is probably putting on, or maybe making it to around that 400 would be a very good day, but certainly into the 300 would, would be lovely with at least one century. And if Cam Green gets a go, let's let's hope there's a start for him as well. It would really cap off a great week. if He can manage a 50 on top of his five-room IPL Hall
0: yes yeah you you made the, the comment there's always been a little bit of a concern sometimes about cam green's confidence but i mean the man's you know been given three million dollars and now he's got a 5 wicket hole surely now he's uh got um, loads of, of confidence coming into that so be exciting to to see that tomorrow okay just before uh we do go we didn't have a uh recap podcast of the, the last test so I will quickly get your views on uh the pitch obviously a lot of discussion finishing in two in uh only two days for just the second time in uh test history uh for a test in Australia um I mean yeah clearly you don't want tests finishing in two days but uh are you in the the Dean Elgar school of thought that this was a, an unacceptable pitch um or uh, like Pat Cummins, where you know this was just uh, good bowling or something.
1: Oh, it's 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 a tough one. I I think yeah, I I think it's it probably veers on the side of um, unacceptable. But I, I'm honestly not too fussed with it. I thought the cricket was quite entertaining actually, and I, th- I thought there was enough enough in it from for the really good batsmen. I think the issue is more that. South Africa, are, the batting is not their strong suit, and the two bowling attacks are both world class. So, with different teams on that pitch, maybe a whole different story goes ahead. And maybe with bowling attacks that are so strong, you've got to create more batter-friendly surfaces. But I, I thought I think we saw with you know Travis Head and Steve Smith that it, it was possible to bat on that wicket. After all, Australia hit two hundred and eighteen at more than four and over. So. And it was quite largely due, due to heads excellence. So perhaps it was a little bit too much on, on the bowling side, but it is, it is hard to judge with a South African batting lineup that is average for 114, 140, sorry, this year. I mean, they did manage 152 in their first innings, which is above average for them. So uh, I think a, a bit of blame goes on to the quality of the batting lineups as well. Um, but yeah, perhaps a bit too much on the green side when you contrast this pitch with the one from Brisbane.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a perfect storm, wasn't it? With a, a green pitch and two bowling lineups uh, that are world class and one batting lineup in particular that really isn't. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I probably would have, said that it was sort of acceptable until Australia lost four wickets trying to to chase down um 35 or whatever it was so that kind of shows that uh, there was something a bit there but it was a good comment I saw someone make that you know it's hard to hard to please these cricket fans when uh, we just had a test in Pakistan which was a road and you know 500 runs were scored each innings and they complain about that so then you have one where there's lots of wickets and an exciting match and they complain about that also so uh yeah i don't know but i do feel for the the fans who book tickets on day three uh that's a little bit uh unfortunate there but uh anyway it's an exciting test nonetheless um and we should probably wrap that this podcast up now but one final thing i, I will bring up there was lots of discussion on the commentary today about uh, a bit of a trend of pat cummins uh trying to 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 be the man to uh to wrap up the tail and uh sort of uh every time that someone gets a breakthrough just sort of pulling rank and uh um then uh taking over in the bowling we saw it last test where four of his five wickets and the second innings came with i think the the final four batsmen uh or something uh adam gilchrist was was going on about it today Uh, uh what do you think about this have you noticed this ethan
1: I haven't paid too much attention to it, to be honest. But if you're the world number one bowler coming off five forty-two, I I think if I think he's got some merit towards it. And uh, with Stark out, who's traditionally known as the mop, uh, I do I do understand it. But it is uh an in- interesting move from from Cummins. We we don't often get these bowler captains, so it is interesting. If I think as a bowler, you always want to be on when the, the tail end is the batting. So maybe he's he's fallen into that temptation and gotten a little bit greedy there. But it was good that Cam Green was, you know, able to stay on at the end and claim his five. So maybe he went a bit light on the bowling as well once he realised that chance was there. But, I mean, I, I don't actually mind when one of the top order gets dismissed as soon as a new batsman's in that you bring on your premier strike bowler. Um you know if, if the bowl is bowling to the tail and it's a little bit expensive then same goes i think you just want to wrap things up as quick as you can um but it was successful last test so i'm not too fussed on it but yeah i reckon if you break the partnership as cam green did you've earned yourself a little go at the tail as well
0: yes yeah i just thought i'd bring it up for the listeners in case it keeps happening uh in the future so i thought i'd get it early here But anyway, uh, that's the day one recap done. Thanks for coming on, Ethan. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next time. Goodbye.